you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Wednesday, March 29th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access. The podcast. Those are the voices of today's special guests. Voice number one is a native of Pittsburgh, PA. Had a stop in Apple Valley, Minnesota, before landing in Massapequa, New York. So, yes, he's an Islander, a long Islander. He's the pride of the Blue Devils, the Duke Blue Devils, and a veteran of 12 NFL seasons with the Cowboys, the Colts, the Eagles, and the Bills. He's the free-diving, free-thinking, free of socks film junkie. He's Brian Baldinger. Welcome back to the pod, Baldy. Drew, it's a good introduction. Uh, you didn't leave anything out. It's good to be here today. I'm so Talking glad football, you're here. I'm in my world. Right? Voice number two is the personality advantaged, million wattaged, Dominican heritaged, hold our hearts hostaged host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast, and the L Huddle podcast. She is the guest of honor today for reasons that will be clear in just a moment. She's MJ Acosta Ruiz. Welcome back to the pod, MJ. So happy to be back, Drew. On today's show, our countdown to the draft makes a stop in South Beach. Mm. Cue the music. For a celebration and an examination of the Miami Dolphins, MJ's Miami Dolphins, now the invite makes sense. She will be the first fan we let in when we throw open the doors to the NFL Hall of Fans. Cue the music. Kill the music. One of MJ's favorite memories about her Dolphins is about an incarnation of the Dolphins that won only one game that season. That's proper womb-to-the-tomb fandom, and that's why you are here. Plus, Baldy's message to Lamar Jackson, MJ's insider tips on what to expect from the Niners' QB room, a hot take on OBJ, and an update on Aaron Rodgers. But first, this. Jackson will keep it. He's got room. He's at the 30. It's a leg race. 40. Lamar Jackson midfield and going 40. One man to beat 30. He's to the 20. 10. 5. Touchdown with a tumble. Lamar Jackson is quick as a hiccup. Okay, guys, Lamar Jackson, former MVP, current agent to the star. Not stars, just one, him. Current Twitter star, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. Today, in a Twitter battle, can we call it? Mm -hmm. He went toe-to-toe with somebody who accused him of sitting out, letting down his team in some unflattering words. Lamar's response, quote, don't remember me sitting out on my guys weeks one versus the Jets through week 12 versus the Broncos. How come all of a sudden I sit out because of money in which I could have gotten hurt at any time within that time frame? When we know the Super Bowl been on my mind since April 2018, he went on to say, let's get real. I'd rather have a 100% PCL than go out there and play horribly, forcing myself to put my guys in a bad situation. That is selfish to me. So that's Lamar's take on it. He has been ensnared a little bit by the narrative about him. And he has sounded off a little bit about his contracts, making sure people remember he turned down a three-year, $133 million guaranteed contract from the Ravens. He's bristling a little bit about people saying he needs an agent. And certainly he's bristling at the notion that he sat out because of money, not because of injury. Baldy, I'm going to start with you. I have concerns about this. I have a touch of confusion. I'm out of questions other than when can we move on from this. But my question for you, Baldy, Your assertion today is that time isn't running out. Your assertion today is that time has run out, and now it is officially too late. Please explain. Well, Lamar was the unanimous MVP of this league in 2019. It should never come down to tweets. Mm. Never. It should never, no player should ever have to defend himself. That's what an agent does. All of it. This thing should have been started. This whole contract Soiree had, should have been started in 2020 when he was the league MVP and he was the most exciting player in the league. You can make a case now. Uh, an agent might do this. A team might do this. That he's been a declining player since. Injuries, okay, not the same production, couldn't get to the playoffs a year ago, etc. He should never, ever be 
debating anything about himself or his career in the media, ever. That's what the agent does. The agent should have, and this is where he's wrong. And, I, and if Lamar was sitting right here with me and MJ right now, I'd tell Lamar that he's wrong. Agents, none of us want an agent until we need an agent. Mm -hmm. It's just a fact. We all feel like we can do it ourselves at some level. But quarterbacks are in an incredibly difficult situation because of the money, the salary cap, the compensation, all these things that can take place, that are, have to take place. And you need a guy that is the bad guy. And the bad guy can send that tweet, okay? Lamar shouldn't be sending that tweet. Lamar doesn't need to do that. But he's in a situation right now where his backs are against the wall, and he's defending himself, and he shouldn't have to do that. MJ, my heart hurts a little bit for where this has gone. Yeah. Because Lamar Jackson is currently, and has been for a little while, my favorite NFL player to mm -hmm. watch, to yep. root for. Mm -hmm. I love his dynamism. I love his skill set. I love the doubts that he continues to face and bat down. You look at his record, 45 wins, 16 losses. He has 101 touchdowns throwing the ball, only 38 picks. This guy is a machine. All of the questions about his accuracy, about his ability as a quarterback, he instantly and impressively has dismissed. Where does your mind go today, MJ, on where we stand? And unfortunately, it almost feels like we're in the same place, doesn't it? Right. But where does your mind go today on this? I mean, initially, I, the reason I root so hard for Lamar not only because we know that he possesses elite talent, and I don't even think we've seen his full capacity, his full potential, mm -hmm. right? He's just getting started in this league. But I can always respect somebody who bets on, on themselves. And that's exactly what Lamar is doing. But is he doing that almost to a fault at this point? Because all we've been saying at nauseum for years at this point is Lamar needs to get paid. He deserves to get paid. Mm -hmm. He should. But you also have to move. Oh my, I saw this Muhammad Ali quote yesterday mm. at a store that says, move with strategy, not emotion. Mm. And at good. this That's point, well when you look at the tweets, it's emotion. And I get it. It's deeply personal. This is your career. This is everything you put out on the field, yes. your heart, your mm. mind, your yes. body, your soul. Which is why I, I, I wish he would allow someone to step in here and help him navigate these waters. It's not, I, I think it's almost, he may or may not feel like this is a personal affront that we're saying he's incapable of doing this. Yes. It's not that you're incapable, it's that you shouldn't have to for all of these reasons. So as much as I want to get this done for him, I, I, I almost wish that he would bring down that wall just a little bit. Seek some counsel so that you can be at the top of your game and, and not have to worry about that. Because nobody wants to see you out here tweeting for your life. I mean, it's, 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 it's just spiraling, I think, so, Baldy. But, but, but now we're at a position here where the quarterback carousel has been spinning. Mm -hmm. It started spinning when the Raiders told Derek Carr, you can yep. leave. Yep. It started spinning right then in December. Yep. It was spinning. And so Lamar is now Garoppolo signing. All these guys have changed teams. And now the Jones draft got a contract. is 29 I mean, days away from when we taped this here today, mm -hmm. Wednesday, March 29th. We're 29 days away. These teams are working out Anthony Richardson this week. They're yep. working out Hendon Hooker. They're past Lamar. And if you go to the owners' meetings, which we just finished, there's Joe Douglas talking. There's Jimmy Ursay talking. All teams that need quarterbacks. But they're all in a different direction now. I feel like in a game of musical chairs – like, he's sitting in the last chair, and it's with the Ravens. And that's – he's not going to get any of the leverage that he has earned. I think we are what we do. Not an inventive thought. It's been a truth for hundreds of years that a lot of people accept, that we are what we do. What Lamar has done his entire career is to prove doubters wrong. He was mm -hmm. doubted in high school. You're mm -hmm. not a quarterback. He said, yes, I am. Watch me break off this run. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, that's a quarterback. We're mm -hmm. going to do, do it with mm -hmm. him from now on. Same at Louisville. He, they said, you're not a quarterback. You're going to be a wide receiver. He proved them wrong. Mm -hmm. Doubted again going into the NFL draft. Falls mm -hmm. to the bottom of the first round of the NFL draft. Everybody else's loss is the Ravens' game. But, of course, that dip was based on doubts. He proved the doubters wrong again. So this is his pattern. Mm -hmm. This is his way. Mm -hmm. He wants to represent himself. He wants to go tell the world and this specific front office, this is what I'm worth. I know my number. Pay me what I'm worth. It seems very simple. It seems very linear. And I, as a fan, and probably stupidly, in lockstep with what Lamar, I mm -hmm. believe, is thinking and probably saying. 
But Brian, you pointed out something earlier today that is very important for us to remember. The word that you kept using was convoluted, that this is not linear. This is not simple. Not. The fact that you have the bullet points on your resume, the fact that you have the stunning skill set, and the fact that the market suggests vis-a-vis Kirk Cousins on one side and Deshaun Watson on the other, that a number in between is fully within your rights to ask for and demand, and that the fact that it would be guaranteed is not is, is totally commensurate Lamar's with the modern market. Lamar is a corporation. He's totally he's a corporation. He's not a businessman. He's a business man. He's a business. But it's convoluted. But Explain I'll, I'll never to forget, me why. Like the visual of um, whenever the Super Bowl was in Houston, I'm walking into the media center, and there's Patrick Mahomes and Lee Steinberg. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's the the future MVP star of this league. Didn't know he was going to be that at that point right. coming out of Texas right. Tech. But there's Lee Steinberg right next to him. Yeah. Like, Patrick is more than capable of saying to Andy Reid and to Clark Hunt, like, pay me what I'm worth. Yes. But there is an awful lot. There's, there's, there's so many factors that go into more than just pay me what I'm worth. Baldy, how many pages? This is a strange question, but, like, how many pages this in, is a, a, in legal a contract, document. an NFL like quarterback contract? But like you couldn't even like the legal document is so big and thick. Yeah. Like honestly, it's a brief. Listener, he is he's, he's sort of doing like a four to five inch thing. We're talking least, about it's this it's big. A novel. Yeah. It's, it's way more than just the standard contract. Right. So convoluted that you do not believe that it is within the purview of a player in this league to typically be able to anticipate all the questions coming from the, from the front office, to know what to ask for, and maybe more importantly, what not to ask for. It's just too complicated and too convoluted. He's asking himself to do too much is what well, you're saying. Well, look, I mean, the, the document is written for a lawyer to read. It's written for all these documents mm-hmm. are written in a legal ease language. Like, this isn't a knock on Lamar at all. At all. This is not even close. Right. Like, but he, this thing, he could have created the most leverage of any player ever has played this game if he'd done this from the beginning when he was the unanimous second ever unanimous MVP of this entire league. But as we understand But I don't want to, like, go, like, and look in hindsight because we know where we're at. But, like, this is really – like, he doesn't want to go back to Baltimore. I'm sure Baltimore is ready to move on. But this might be – and he's not the first player to ever say, trade me. You know, like, players use that as leverage. But, like, that's where he's at right now. Don't you I'm, – I'm really hoping, though, that he doesn't actually want to move on from Baltimore. I'm hoping that for all of my Ravens fans' friends, yes. Ravens fan it's, friends, whatever I'm trying to say. He's still the best fit for Baltimore that there is. And I believe that, too, and that's really why I'm saying it. MJ, you don't have a crystal ball, but if you look through the blurry morass of stuff that we've been presented with, really, for two years now, mm-hmm. they did start this process, mm-hmm. to be fair to Lamar, mm-hmm. yeah. the year after he won the MVP. Mm-hmm. It's not a recent thing, mm-hmm. but we've been at an impasse for a long time. MJ, is there resolution in your vision of the future? I mean, I think there has to be at this point, both on Lamar's end, because to Baldi's point, wh- where are we going? Mm-hmm. Who's knocking at your door at this point? And from the Ravens, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be your quarterback? Yeah. The only objective at the end of the day, outside of getting paid, is to win. And we have to remember that as well. So there, there has to be a resolution, and they, they're going to have to swallow the pride. But this is what we've been saying. Your bad guy point. From the other side of this, teams don't want to negotiate directly with their player and have to go through this bad blood moment and worry about, is there a resolution? It gets real mucky. And this is where we are. But they're going to have to. But the one thing about the resolution, though, is as a player, whatever Lamar says does, the players all know it's just business. It's not a reflection on them or he doesn't want to. Like, the players will take him back in a second. Every single player in the, the locker, locker room. And, yes. and clearly John Harbaugh would, and, too. And John will, yes. too. John, John has to be kind of a bad guy here because he's got to, like, look, the owner's going to write the check. Mm-hmm. He, you know, so, and so John is, the, is the, the mouthpiece. So he has done nothing but put a smile on his face and put a, a shine on this thing that looks ugly and awkward from the outside. But... It's Lamar. Like, I've been there through bad negotiations. Not like it's, you know, I'm Lamar. But, like, you have to, like, he's going to, if he has to go back to Baltimore, under whatever contract that they end up providing, you know, he's going to feel like his pride took a beating. Yeah. And that's not a good feeling for a player to do that. 
Well, in summation, if the franchise tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag of 32 point something million dollars that the Ravens placed on Lamar was an exertion of leverage, and if Lamar asking for a trade back on March 2nd was his exertion of leverage, here's what I have to say. I hope that someday the fans, to whatever degree, will have a little bit of leverage ourselves. Because if we were to apply <laughs> that leverage to this situation, it would be to tell the fates, to tell the guys in the front office, the people rather, in the front office, please make this work. Because we love Lamar Jackson on an NFL field. We want him to be happy and healthy and playing. And personally, I think he looks good in black and purple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The next topic, age, not ageism, age, as in what can we reasonably expect in the way of durability and devotion from Aaron Rodgers at the age of 40. He will turn 40, MJ, on December 2nd. Quarterbacks, 40 years or older with playoff wins in NFL history. Tom Brady, 10 and 4. Drew Brees, 1 and 2. Brett Favre, 1-1, one one. only three. I don't know that it tells us a whole lot. Mm. We know Tom Brady is a unicorn. We know Drew Brees and Brett Favre had long, successful careers. MJ, my question to you, does size matter? As in the size of the birthday cake necessary to hold that many candles, does age matter, MJ? I think when you're a part of the conversation of that elite player status, of future Hall of Fame status, it matters in terms of what is your team going to put around you to make up for the age, yes. right? The talent is there, the leadership is there, the experience is there, and the future Hall of Fame ballot is there. So I'm not concerned when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and his age. I don't think that's the thing. But a team has to be well aware, you gotta make sure that O-line is as, <laughs> as impenetrable as possible. Yes. You have to make sure that the receivers are on point, that they've got it. You gotta make sure that the backfields can take pressure off your guy because he's not gonna be running out of the pocket as much as the next wave of, of quarterbacks in this league. So in that aspect, you have to take those things in consideration, but I think most teams would say, yeah, I'll take a Hall of Famer, even if he is 40 years old. Baldy, you have firsthand knowledge in the locker room and on the field watching quarterbacks debut and then decline. It is the inevitable, it's the vagaries of our, of our life mm -hmm. here on this big old marble. Uh, we age and we decline. Mm -hmm. What is your concern or what would your concerns be if you are the Jets attempting to make a deal with the Green Bay Packers, apparently no longer having to offer up a first round pick? Uh, way to give away your leverage there, Gudikins. Mm. Goody, as you mm -hmm. call him. What would your concerns be if you were the Jets nation, Jets roster, Jets team? Well, you know, I mean, just if you just read what Aaron Rodgers has been saying for two straight years now, like what's his level of commitment? Like, we know the talent is there, but he's never gone to a place where he had to go meet everybody in the building, learn an offense, l learn all of the nuances of all the teammates around him. It's always been a new guy coming to him for 18 years. The new, you know, the new Aaron, you know, Aaron Jones coming from Texas, you know, Tech or whatever, or Texas El Paso. Like, all these, like, he's never had to do any of that. Now he has to do that. And then there's a commitment of understanding there's the offense, Okay, that Nathaniel Hackett has, and then there's Aaron Rodgers' interpretation of the offense and his his checks and his audibles and how he sees the field and playing in a different division and all these things. Like, what's his commitment? That's mine. Because yeah. I don't think it does the Jets long term any good if no. they get one year from Aaron Rodgers and he's gone. And then here the, the the Jets are next year at this time going. Is Zach Wilson a guy? Where do we where do we get? Are we going to the free agent market? Are we drafting a guy again? Like what are we doing? Because one year, to me, even if they say make the playoffs, which would be a godsend for any Jet fan, but like you know they get beat in the playoffs and then he's like, see ya. Mm. Like I'm I'm concerned about his commitment because then what does Garrett Wilson do and Brees Hall do and these young kids that want to have a consistent playoff chance every year and now they got to replace that position like i need two years from Aaron, mm -hmm. and then you go okay the three guys you mentioned drew Brees, he he's his arm faded yes it brett did. Favre, his arm faded okay tom brady was still pretty good um you know for quite a while so maybe he's more brady than he is drew Brees. but we saw a decline in what he was able to do and then so you said okay at 41 or 42 is he still committed because it seems like he's had that question in the back of his mind. If he wants to, can I still do it? 
So translation from Brian Baldinger and MJ Acosta Ruiz, it's not a matter of age, it's a matter of attitude. This is mm -hmm. not about durability, this is about devotion. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with MJ Acosta Ruiz and Brian Baldinger. MJ, let's shift our attention to Northern Cal, a mm. place you know well, a team you know well, to the boys by the bay, the San Francisco 49ers. Three quarterbacks, two questions, who will the starter be and who should the starter be? Oh, man, two very tough questions yes. to answer at this point. Um, you know, having had one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, over the past 365 days. Um, There's so much gumption in both of these guys, and I think with Brock Purdy, despite the fact that now he's going to be recovering um, from his elbow surgery, the timeline coming back, when I talked to him at the Super Bowl, as calm and poised and humble as he is, there was this little sparkle in his eye about being the guy under center, a position that I'm sure wasn't even on his radar as the starter, having come in as the last pick of the draft into an incredible system no doubt, but who's thinking at this point, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a shot my rookie season? Nobody. So now he's gotten that taste. He was good at it. He's surrounded by tremendous talent. Why wouldn't you want to fight for that position? And he got a vote of confidence from, from John Lynch just the other the day team. saying if yeah. he were healthy, he's our starter. 100%. So that has to feel good. Yeah. But, but the, the time fact is the remains issue. Yeah. that it was easy for John Lynch to say that because Brock Purdy is not expected <laughs> right. back earliest exactly. week one, latest week four. He is not part of the preseason mm -hmm. quarterback competition. So thank you for the context. I will reiterate the questions. Mm -hmm. Who will be the starter? Who should be the starter? I want to see Trey Lance truly truly start and see what they jumped up to get him it was all this very dramatic in the draft to get their guy remember when jimmy was still there they said unequivocally trey lance is yes. our guy i want to see that i want to see that year so and i want to see trey fight for it should be and will be yeah brian baldinger same two questions who will be the starter who should be the starter well i don't know I honestly don't know because Sam Darnold was there. What are you doing there. here if you don't know? <laughs> you don't know then who no, does but here's the reason is because i don't know how the 49ers are going to conduct they're off season. Right. If Brock Purdy is mending, which mm -hmm. he is. Mm -hmm. Like, is Trey Lance walking into the huddle with Trent Williams, okay, and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, and you know, the whole group, is he walking into the huddle as the starter mm. day one? Or is Sam Darnold sitting there, who I have a feeling Kyle Shanahan in his own mind thinks this is the ultimate reclamation project. Of a guy that could have been number one pick in the draft years ago, bad organizations bad injuries, um, and here he is um, with a chance coming back to California. That person being Sam Darnold, not Trey Lance. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, I mean, so who are they committed to? Because you, you want to have a guy ready week one, and it starts in April and May. And just being in the building and being around the players and starting to, you know, get to timing down with the players. And they both want it. Like, what is the – because the team, the team and the players know which guy they're supporting. Because you can't support both and have a competition mm -mm. and then go, oh, when Brock comes back, he's a starter. Right. Like, that's not, that's not fair to anybody. Right. No, they're so, not that. so, to me, they have to make that. So, the, I'm not evading the question, Drew. I'm just saying the 49ers could make my answer a whole lot easier if I knew who they were going to put in there for all the reps all offseason. Here's what we do know. Kyle Shanahan has such belief in his own abilities and his own system. I genuinely believe that Kyle Shanahan could pass a lie detector test right now, right here. If he were asked the question, 
Can you win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? He'd say yes and pass. Can you win it with Trey Lance? He'd say yes and pass. Can you win it with Sam Darnold? He'd say yes. And I think he'd pass that one too. I genuinely believe that. That's why I brought you guys in. MJ wins that point because you said you didn't evade the question, Brian, but you did. MJ, the answer is Trey Lance. Final topic, free agent wide receivers. Let me amend that. Free agent wide receiver, singular, as in the singular talent that is Odell Beckham Jr. Baldy, back to you. Is he a better story than he is a player mm. at this point? Is he a better name than he is an asset? Or does this man still have legs? He's going into his 10th year with a long injury history. But I believe that what Odell brings to a team is, A, a real competitive fire. I think he has been humbled many times throughout. You're going to get the very best of Odell. I believe he's a better player than a story. And, but he has to go to the right team. It was the perfect fit. Nobody knew that Robert Woods was going to tear his ACL and he was going to be traded for, and he stepped into that role, and he upgraded the role opposite Cooper Cup. He mm. needs to go to a place where there is a real pecking order in place where they can really – he fits into the design of the offense. You alluded to the L.A. Rams. MJ, let's turn to you with the L.A. Rams as the, let's say that's the landing spot. Sean McVay said just today or yesterday that he is interested in re-signing OBJ. Um, it felt a little bit to me like the Kristen Wiig character in Bridesmaids, you know, crashing on mom's couch when things went bad, going back to a safe landing spot. But I think Baldy is changing my opinion of that. Maybe that is the perfect fit for him based on the scheme. And let's assume Matt Stafford is healthy. Cooper Cup is back. Uh, maybe the fire in the belly of those L.A. Rams is back, burning a little bit hotter, a little bit brighter after last season's capitulation. It was nothing short of that. Is L.A. the right spot for him? Baldy says he has to be in the right spot. Is it L.A.? If not, where is it? I don't think it's L.A. There's too many questions around L.A. What is going on over there? Last season just felt like they threw their hands up and sort of said, oh, never mind, that does not seem like the place where OBJ certainly wants to to play. Obviously, there's that emotional championship tie there because he won a, a, a Super Bowl um, with them. But I, I just think that that ship has sort of sailed. Um, I, I can't get the Cowboys out of my head. I can't get the Cowboys out of my head. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I feel like that's the perfect fit for him. Do you, li- you like that for him? I like that. And they, still they haven't been the same without Amari. At all. And not to say that he's still at that level. That's still to be seen, especially coming off of this injury. And with the hesitation the, sh- the Cowboys showed towards the latter end of last season where he, he was there, he was being courted, the players were tweeting, he's courtside at the Mavs game, and then suddenly, yeah, the clinicals weren't great, so maybe we're going to hold Well, I mean, there. Brandon Cooks, it's yeah. not like he can't play. No, right, right. So, I mean, they, they gave, if they were interested in Odell Beckham. They wouldn't have signed Brandon Cooks, you're right. right. That's how I feel about that. Right. Yeah. But the other team that has been linked to Odell Beckham is the New York Jets. And to me, that would be a great fit. He's, he knows the stadium, he knows the turf, he knows the, the, the town. Uh, he's going to have Aaron Rodgers. He's going to have, I think, an upgraded offensive line. Mm-hmm. He's going to get to go against Sauce Gardner every day in practice. It's going to Wednesdays are going to be fun out there in Florham Park. Like I and look, Lazard is what he is, which is basically number three guy. Mm. And Garrett Wilson, it could be the number one. It could be a great fit. And you could just say, we're all in. You you tell a Jet fan, Odell Beckham Jr. is coming Ooh. into town. With what we have, and Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, the Jets are believing, and believe me, Woody Johnson wants to sell tickets. Yep. Like, and back pages of the, the tabloids, whatnot. You bring Odell Beckham, he's selling jerseys day one. So him back at his old stadium in a different jersey. Oh, spicy. Translation, there is hope for you, OBJ. According to Brian Baldinger and MJ Acosta-Ruiz, small market uh, teams (laughs) that don't have big fan bases in New York, L.A., you know, and Dallas. Not a lot of splash. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Thank you. 
You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Okay, Brian Baldinger, it's time for us to thank you for your time today and ask you to leave right now. There's the door. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? Seriously, get out of here. Because from this point on, MJ, can you start that clock, please? Thank you very much. That means we are officially back on the clock in our countdown to the 2023 NFL Draft presented by Verizon, April 27th, 28th, and 29th on NFL Network and NFL Plus. Coverage begins on Thursday, April 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss a minute of it. Today, we take a closer look at the only franchise to be able to claim Dan Marino, an undefeated NFL season and on-field temperatures that flirt with 150 degrees. They are, of course, MJ's Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins' origin story begins in 1966. They have played 58 NFL seasons in all. Their total record, pretty damn impressive. 485 wins, 393 losses, and four ties. Super Bowls, five appearances, two wins. That's a 40% clip success rate. Not too bad. They won Super Bowl seven and they won Super Bowl eight. The Dolphins have won Super Bowl seven and completed the greatest season in NFL history. Winning as coach, who else? Don Shula, 257 wins, 133 losses, and two ties. Three retired jerseys in Miami Dolphins history. Number 12. You know who that is, Bob Greasy. Number 13, if you don't know who that is, you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. See if Marino airs it out from the six yard line. Lost to the corner of the end zone, net four, touchdown. That's four touchdowns in the ball game, and that's a new record. Number 13 for the Miami Dolphins, that's right. Dan, the man, Marino, and number 39, Larry Zonka. Division titles for the Dolphins, how about 14 of them? Playoff record, 20 wins, 22 losses. They have 10 Hall of Famers, including the aforementioned Bob Greasy, Don Shula, Jason Taylor, of course, and yes, Dan, the man, Marino. Okay, that's what they've been, but what are they now? Let's check out the recent data. First question, what were they in 2022? Well, a mixed bag, if we're being honest. Their defense, total defense ranked in the NFL, 18th. They were 24th in scoring defense, not a great number but they had the fourth best rushing defense in the NFL. Could it be because teams passed at will against them and didn't need to run the ball? Possibly. It may be a matter of game script. It may be a matter of opinion. They were, in fact, the 27th ranked passing defense in the NFL. Not great. They were also 30th in the NFL, third from last at creating turnovers. Do not be surprised at all if that is something that is addressed in the draft. They certainly addressed it in free agency with a ball hawk like Jalen Ramsey. Let's go to the other side of the ball because really that's where the highlights are. He gets it all wide open and it's a touchdown for Waddle. Gone! And what a perfect throw by Tua Tangovailoa. Their offensive ranks in the NFL total offense ranked sixth. They were 11th in scoring. They were 25th, tied for 25th in rushing the ball. It wasn't a priority. What was? Passing the ball. Tua to Jalen Waddell and Mike Gesicki. And yeah, that kid Tyreek Hill. Gesicki no longer on the roster. Waddle and Hill still are. Cannot wait to see what these guys do for an encore. Downfield. Touchdown, Waddle. Flips it downfield. Wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable! They were top 10 in not allowing sacks. They were top 10 in not turning the ball over. They were 10th in the red zone, 12th in big plays, and they were second in the NFL at yards per play. This is a team that can hurt you in a hurry. Back to throw Tua, looking, wants it all. Deep down, field, caught by Tyreek Hill! Dolphins fans only, please open those doors and let them in. Fins up for the NFL Hall of Fans! Ah, yes, fans like our very own, the guest of honor, the fan of honor, MJ Acosta Ruiz. MJ, why are you a Dolphins fan? Oh, man. I mean, growing up in South Florida, being on the sidelines for them as a Miami Dolphins cheerleader, you you, you can't just, you know, divorce your team because you left the state. Um, it's, It's something to fandom. I mean, every NFL fan knows this. You carry it with you through better or worse. It's like a marriage. 
I but watch more permanent. You, I watch you every week of the season as you make your picks, mm -hmm. right? And there's a certain amount of you know ego and and professional credibility sort of attached to the success or the failure of your picks. But it's always difficult for you when it comes to the Dolphins, for Thomas yeah. Davis when it comes to the Panthers, for, you know, David Carr when it comes to either his brother's team or the Giants. It's yeah. difficult for you guys to separate fandom from professionalism. And I love watching the struggle within you because it proves to me exactly what you just said. You can take the girl out of Miami. You cannot nope. take Miami out of the girl. Sure can. Who is your favorite ever Miami Dolphins player and why? Favorite ever is definitely Dan Marino. Um, so Super Bowl 54 when we were in Miami, I was only I, my second season here with the NFL Network and I'm hosting NFL or Super Bowl Live and my, which is still crazy for me to say, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, my co-worker comes up to the set and right behind him is Hall of Famer Dan Marino. And I literally said this on air. I said, just so everyone knows, yes, I am freaking out right now. This is not normal. This is a very special moment. Somebody snapped a, a picture of it. I have it framed in my house. Like, it, it's just one of those things. Mind you, when I was a cheerleader for the Dolphins, I did plenty of events with, with Dan and, you know, plenty of Hall of Famers. Um, but it's just different. It's just different even at a professional level to sit shoulder to shoulder and talk ball and um, just be able to have those moments. And, and it's, it's a point of pride for sure. What was the best day in your recollection to be a Dolphins fan? Was it a game? Was it a moment? Was it a draft? What's your, what's your favorite Dolphins memory? Do you have one? I mean, other than when I made the squad. <laughs> when I became that, Miami Dolphins. Well, that really, may be it. Yeah. When you became a member of the family. Yeah, it was. It, it was a different side of it, right? To be part of the organization. To be literally in the building. And beyond that, being the ambassador for the organization, to be the first interaction with fans on game day, to talk ball with them, to talk about our draft picks with them, to talk game with them. Um, you know, I think the misconception is that the cheerleaders are just there for, as ornaments, but we had to take football IQ tests and you had to understand the legacy of the team because the acumen of our fans is top-notch and they expect you to know and to love it just as much as you as they do i already did and i was already a sports reporter to begin with so i was ahead of the curve in that aspect but it was so cool to be able to join my job uh, as a sportscaster and as an ambassador for this team so seven days a week i was in it i was living it and it was all in teal and orange i think there's something about this team that has inspired a great deal of confidence belief and hope and that can only really be said of either very good teams or teams that mm -hmm. are close to being very good. Yep. So the better luck next year narrative has yeah. been attached to you and your team for a while. Yeah. And I'm sure it's maddening and I'm sure it's frustrating, but it means that you're close. Yeah. You're probably on the clipboard. The bouncer is ready to let you in. Yeah. Is this the year, the better luck next year? Is this that year? As a lifelong Dolphins fan, this is the closest we have felt to that in a long time. And you know me. I may, I may make my pick, game picks based on emotion. Of course. But trust me, I'm still an analyst at the end. In and, the end, honestly, yeah. you're not even giving yourself enough credit because I have seen you pick against your team more I often yeah. than I ever expected mm -hmm. because in the end, you always, the last hat you put on is always the analyst hat. 100%. It would be the perfect draft for my Dolphins if they do what? Don't have a first-round pick, mm -mm. but you still have some draft capital to work with totally. in later rounds, days two and three. What would you like to see in terms of maybe a position group, them, attack, approach, You know, assess? Assess. I mean, we always want a little bit more depth at offensive line, and there's a lot of good big boys out there as well. The defense is really coming along, especially the secondary. Hi, Jalen. We love Jaylen you. Hello, Jalen Ramsey. Him and, and Xavier Howard together Dude, is going to the be X-Men and Jalen Ramsey. Good luck, Mac Jones. Um, good luck, yeah. Josh Allen. The team is looking probably hey, as strong hey, as I've seen Hey, good luck, Aaron Rodgers. Right, that part. Can't wait for them to go up against Aaron Rodgers twice a year. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And they've, they're, they're re-signing the backfield in Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. So um, there's a lot to love right now, even where we stand. I think just having growth and having depth on defense for sure because we're going up against a very – tough offenses, high-powered offenses in the Bills and the Patriots and the Jets uh, just within that division. I, I, honestly, like, I feel so strong about it. It, it almost scares me. <laughs> it Story. scares me. Uh, I, listen, I, I love your joy and enthusiasm because I kind of share it. A tight end? Mm -hmm. Scoring defense was ranked 24th. Uh, 
27th ranked passing defense. Clearly, Jalen Ramsey goes a long way toward addressing yes. that, but you'd like to see maybe a little bit more attention paid there if the opportunity presents itself yep. in the draft. And rushing offense, you were tied for 25th. That may be a scheme thing yeah. because the, the guys you just name-checked will be back. They were so I don't think it's about personnel. Yeah. It's, about, it's, about, it's about utilage, right? Yep. 100%. Last question, MJ. Thank you so much for your time today. I wouldn't be surprised if my Miami Dolphins do what in 2023? Go to the Super Bowl. Look at that. I you, said it. Full disclosure, do you say that every year? No. You don't, do you? No, I do not. I always err on the side of caution because <laughs> historically it has, it's been a while. It's been a very long time. And we, we've sort of been been drowned in, in disappointment and not meeting expectations and just sort of something happening, right? And I think right now, with the coaching that we have, the coordinators that we have, the pieces that we have, and I really love that they're, they're pouring their support behind Tua. He has such a tumultuous and scary and emotional season, and they are still 100% behind him and still supporting him in his decision to be the guy here, getting him the resources that he needs in the offseason to make sure that he's safe and ready. And that says a lot. Because we saw what he could do when he was out there. My God, did he live up to the expectations we had for him finally, right? He really did. And so he comes back and everything clicks. I'm excited. I cannot let you go without asking you a question about a story that you told me earlier today. And it's a story that I want you to tell very quickly to us. Mm -hmm. One of your favorite, one of your most treasured Miami Dolphins yeah. memories is not from a season of triumph. No. <laughs> it's not from a season of competitiveness. In fact, yeah. it was from a season of complete chaos. Yep. And yet, there's a very special moment that happened in that season. Please tell us. Yeah, week 15, 2007 season, Ravens at Dolphins. Oh my God. Um, we, it was looking like we were gonna go winless that year. And this game goes tied, we go into overtime. And an unlikely hero emerges in Greg Camarillo. Running back to throw. Got time over the middle. Camarillo's got it. Forty. He might score. He may go the distance. The Bobby Dolphins have He comes up, makes an unbelievable grab, takes it all the way to the end zone. We win the freaking game. We do not go winless that year. And it sounds crazy, right? It sounds almost Cleveland-ish <laughs> to think of something. Sorry, Browns fans. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it just felt like, man, Miami just has something special. They call it the Magic City for a reason. Fast forward many, many years later. Gosh, almost 10 years later, almost a decade later to the day. Greg Camarillo is my analyst in San Diego as I'm a sportscaster, the lead sportscaster there at the embassy station. And I remember he walked through and I was like, wait, I know you. Wait a minute. I remember you vividly. And so he's now a dear friend. And, and it's just sort of like Dan, right, in, 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 another, in another iteration of it, of how these things are cyclical and how that, that fandom and that love, like most people would have been like, Greg Camarillo did what? No shades of Greg. I love him dearly. But, you know, it was such a huge huge moment for for Miami Dolphins fans and it was really cool that then I got to work alongside him behind the sports desk so parody all around uh, fandom is never cyclical that is linear but success is cyclical to your point and so are some of these narratives that come with it maybe this is the year of the I Miami so. Dolphin. Thank you, Marjorie. Your ticket is good here all day. Enjoy the Yay. Hall of Fans. I highly recommend the soft pretzel and the cheese sauce. Fans like our intrepid prompter operator, Avery Roberts. His favorite ever Dolphins player, who else? Dan, the man, Marino. Why, I asked Avery. He shot back, well, because he's the single greatest arm talent that ever graced this game. He said it with such conviction, I'm not about to disagree. Avery actually worked for the Dolphins for four years. His old man, a football coach. And his time with the Dolphins was Avery's first time to separate himself from his dad's career and claim a place in this football world of his own, but also to claim some fandom of his own. He fell in love with and remains in love with the Miami Dolphins. He worked in the equipment room for the Dolphins. One day he was playing around with a ball, just kind of throwing it up and down the way that we do when we're alone sometimes with a football doing the old spin routine. Some random guy came into the room and said, hey, throw it here. Avery thought he was a janitor, so he threw the ball 
to this guy, and the guy started playing catch with him. The more the ball hit his hands, the more Avery realized this guy can really spin it. In fact, he said, this guy put a hole in my chest. He thought to himself, man, that guy probably played at one point in his career. The guy walks out of the room. Somebody came in and asked Avery, hey, do you know who that was? Avery said, no, I thought he was a janitor. The guy said, no, uh, that was no janitor. That was Dan Marino. Marino, long count at the line of scrimmage. Quick drop, lofts the ball up the near side. Man open, flag down, touchdown. Pittsburgh is paying for the blitz. Avery's best Dolphins memory, where they scrambled the kick team on and knuckled it through to win against the Bills in Buffalo. Who was the kicker that day? Avery remembers it like it was yesterday. Andrew Frank. Trying to go for the win, fellas. The kick is up, and the kick is good. He loves the fact that Miami is a Dolphins town in spite of the fact that the Heat have had more recent success than the Dolphins. He always was curious as to why. What is it about this Dolphins team that galvanizes such support, such energy, such enthusiasm, and such diehard fandom? He wanted to know, now he does know. It will be the perfect draft for Avery if the Dolphins select a linebacker or a right tackle. Why don't we do this, Avery? Let's agree that you can get yourselves a linebacker and a right tackle. You don't have a first round pick, but you have capital later in the draft to work with. Make it work. When asked the question, I wouldn't be surprised if your Dolphins do what? He said, I wouldn't be surprised if my Dolphins make the playoffs, but lose in the first round. That's called a little bit of hope mixed with a reality check. Fans like our old colleague and always friend, Craig Smith. His favorite Dolphins players, Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown in the Wildcat offense. That Wildcat offense by Tony Sperano. It took the league by storm, and he reminds us all, he reminds his Patriots friends, that New England had no answer for it. Craig says it will be the perfect draft if we dot, 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 who cares, he says. We traded for Tyreek and Bradley Chubb. We have Jalen Ramsey. We're fine. Craig Smith wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins make a deep playoff run, all dependent on one thing. What is that one thing? Tua staying healthy. And Dolphins fans like our dear old friend Patrick Malikian. His favorite ever Dolphins player and why I am a Dolphins fan? Those were two questions I sent to him. His response, they're intertwined into one answer. He was born and raised in L.A. He's a diehard L.A. fan in every other sport except the NFL. Because growing up, Patrick says, his dad was a Dan Marino fan. Watching Dan Marino with his father growing up, and I guess loving the color green, he stuck with the Dolphins through thick and thin. A lot of thin, he reminds us. Marino, till this day, remains his favorite Dolphin of all time. Marino sets his ball club from the Steeler 40. He drops quickly to throw, looks right across the middle. He's got Clayton open. Touchdown, Dolphins! Larry Zonka, he said, would be cheating because that was ahead of my time. But honorary mentions go to Larry Zonka, Mark Clayton, Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, and his boy, Garo Yapremian. That's right, his fellow Armenian, Garo Yapremian. And this kick is blocked. Yepremian has it. <laughs> Throws a pass up with the ball. It's Mike Bass. He's running away for a touchdown. Mike Bass scores. What a kooky play that was. Gary Yepremian lost his head and tried to throw a pass. His best Dolphins memory? Very unfortunate to say, but it has to be their only playoff win in the last 20 years when they beat the Colts. Because it's all about winning, Patrick says, and that's the only playoff win they have where I remember being diehard invested in this team. Honorary mentions in terms of the best memories he ever had? Feel free to use, he says in parentheses. Oh, I'm using it, Patrick. The Leon Lett fumble on Thanksgiving. <laughs> A little dig at Cowboys fans. The 20 laterals in the final second to beat the Patriots and Gronk missing that tackle. We all remember that well with Devontae Parker and Kenyon Drake. They throw it down. They try to pitch it, and they do to Parker. Parker pitches it, and it's Drake. Drake! 30, 20, has got a tackle! Oh, no, no way! way. No the way! No way. The Dolphins win! <laughs> Unbelievable! Are you kidding oh. me? This season's 28-point fourth quarter comeback versus the Ravens was one of the best performances he's ever seen. Hard to argue with that. And maybe Marino's fake snap. That one was memorable, too. 
Marino takes the snap from center. He's looking. He throws. All right! Touchdown, Dolphins! Mark Ingram! Unbelievable! The Jets are stunned! They caught the Jets off guard on that play, Jim. They have hands on their hips. The Jets are dumbfounded. Malikian says it'll be the perfect draft if we, well, not having a pick in the first round hurts, but... We were able to make quite the splash in free agency, and I've loved the talent they've added this offseason and last year. So, he says, I guess an offensive lineman to help protect Tua. If not, he'd love a stud young running back who may drop to us. Patrick says he feels like we are stacked in every other position. I know we have Mostert and Wilson re-signed, but a nice stud big back, he'll take it with open arms. He says, parenthetically, I'd rather just go get Derrick Henry somehow. But if not, take a running back in rounds two or three. And the last question, I wouldn't be surprised if my Dolphins this season. He said, I'd say win it all, but you know me, Levy, and how pessimistic I am with my sports teams. So I'll say I wouldn't be surprised if they made the AFC championship game. That's all dependent on Tua staying healthy and the injury bug not getting to this team. There is a common thread for Dolphins fans on that score. Then... He adds, you know what, Levy? Why not? The Super Bowl. Let's go. I want to thank all of the Dolphins fans who are listening today. Congratulations to all of you. This day belongs to you. Will this season belong to you? You're off to a pretty good start, and we do hope you remain healthy. I want to invite all of you to join us tomorrow when our countdown to the draft makes a stop in the Northwest, as far away from Miami as you can get, the home of the Seattle Seahawks. What were they in 2022? What will they be in 2023? Can they repeat the shock the world routine we saw from Geno Smith and this young buck offense and defense? Those questions to be answered tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.